The Sunday Grill with Crane and Crane Insurance. To compare motor and home insurance quotes across multiple different insurers, see craneandcrane.ie. My first guests this morning are a group of TY students from Tullow Community School whose mini company has become a business venture that places like Supermax and McDonald's are supplying in the southeast. Now, we all know by now that most straws are not biodegradable, and let's face it, those new recyclable ones get fairly wet and sloppy pretty quickly. So the last straw are saving the world one straw at a time and Ellie Byrne and Dana O'Brien are here to explain more. You're both very welcome. Thank you very much. Now tell us about this. Explain what the last straw is. Have you got one of those them there so we can have a look at it? So what kind of material is this? They're stainless steel and they're reusable. Okay. So it is a straw. Is it bendy? No it's not bendy of course. Okay. So how did you come up with the idea of this Ellie? Uh, we came up with the idea back in September um, there was a lot on the news about Greta Thunberg and it was just a topic that we simply couldn't ignore um, So as a group of friends we were sitting at McDonald's and uh, we didn't like the soggy straws as you said before and that's basically where we got our idea to sell stainless steel reusable straws okay. they're better for the environment and um, so we know that reusing is better than recycling so that's where we got our idea to sell reusable straws. Okay. And had you ever seen a metallic straw before or a steel straw? No, they weren't very popular. So we had to do our own research to find different materials that we could use. Okay. And what sort of research did you have to do into that? Uh, so the internet was obviously um, a great source of information. Uh, I searched through loads of different products. There's bamboo straws and paper straws, obviously, which didn't work out in McDonald's. Mm. Uh, but stainless steel was the obvious solution. Okay. And this is a little bit like the Keep Cup. You own this yep. straw once you buy it. Yeah. So no one else gets to obviously drink from it. It is, the last, it. It need, is yeah. the last straw you'll ever need. So what is, how does it come when you package it? So does it come just like this? Uh, no, we uh, use uh, these reusable bags as okay. well. They're kind of personalised so you can have loads of little different patterns on them. Great. So they're really handy if you're going to different outlets like McDonald's or mm-hmm. Supermax or just going to the cinema with a few friends that you can put your straws into them with the cleaner. So we sell uh, cleaners to go with the straws as well. They're only one euro. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're basically pipe cleaners. So you just clean the inside of, of them, okay. of the straw with the brush. And then your straws are about three euro, are they? Yeah, Is the straws, right? are, the retail are three euro per and straw. You get one straw for that, but you have different yeah. shaped straws too. So you have the kind of bendy one here, but yeah. you also have a straight version as oh, well. Yeah. So Why you, did you do that? Uh, because it's personal preference. Like some people prefer having a straight straw to drink through mm-hmm. or a bent one. And we also do milkshake straws as well. So if yeah. Uh, if you want to get a milkshake in any rockets or that, they're they're just a bit bigger, so you can drink the milk. Oh, brilliant! Milkshake Good idea. God, you thought it all through. I'd say that was some nice research to have to do, yeah. though, as well. And what was the reaction like? When did you start to hear the buzz about this? Once you come up with it? Uh, yes. Yeah, so we started when we went down to our five local primary schools. Uh, we did a lot of. Um, we went down to them. We, we outlined our business idea to them. And to carry out market research, uh, we identified what would be, if there would be a demand for our straws. Hmm. So we gave them uh, surveys to find out what kind of different shapes, colours and sizes that they'd like. And uh, we figured that out and we went back down with order forms then and they chose which straws that they wanted. And they wanted them. Uh, yeah, and they wanted them. There was a great hit. Like we just saw with the younger generation that we thought that, that that's who we'd like to target uh, when they're coming up along. And then the, how did big companies get involved? Um, we started off uh, with um, we rang Pat McDonough and from he's Supermax. from Supermax he's the owner of the franchises mm. and he said uh, trial it on a local level first and um, see how it goes and get back in contact so we went to our local Supermax 
Um, and we got we were talking to the manager there, Richard Quinn, and he was immediately really enthusiastic about our idea and wanted to bring us on board. So we started selling them there in Supermax and in the Flint's Food Hall. And we also went to McDonald's then as well and we rang, got in contact with Bernard Byrne and he really liked the idea as well. So we arranged a meeting with John Byrne and we met up with him and he was also very enthusiastic about the idea. So we got, um, we were able to sell our, our straws, our stainless steel reusable straws in Carlowtown, um, Tinner Island, to, uh, Wexford and the two in Blanchardstown. Wow, so that is five McDonald's they are in. Yeah. And how many Supermax? Uh, we have them in two Supermaxes as well. We also have And how are they doing? Are you restocking? Oh, oh yeah, they're doing brilliant. We're bringing in 100, um, we're giving them about 100 straws every week. Wow, that's amazing. Oh, so every week you're actually having to resupply. Yeah. That's brilliant. So TY is over soon. It's over in a couple of months. What's yeah. going to happen to the last straw? Oh, the last straw is continuing. Okay. Yeah, with no doubt. And you're all dedicated to it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a great experience from the start of September just to get a feel for the real business world and uh, it's been an unbelievable experience. And has it made you think that that's something you'd like to do later on in oh, college? Oh yeah, 100% yeah. yeah. Being Going into business is something that we'd all, I think we all would really love to do. Brilliant, well done. And your TY coordinator, Mr Larkin, is here as well. When, when they started to give you the um, suggestion of this, did you think it would take off like it did? Yeah, look, I mean, there was one piece of advice I gave them at the start of the year and gave the class group in general at the start of the year, and that was to pick an idea that they were passionate about. And as the girls said at the start there, that um, they were really, I suppose, influenced by Greta Thunberg and by everything she was on about in the news at the time. And Greta is only 16 years of age, the same age as the girls involved in the company. They knew they were going to have to do something, as they say themselves, uh, as regards improving the, the environment that the business they were involved in would have to focus on it. They weren't sure initially of what they were going to do in relation to improving the environment until, as they say themselves, they were in McDonald's and they realised they didn't like the, the paper straws mm. and decided, right, let's go with reuse rather than recycle. So yeah. um, I think it was a fantastic idea and it definitely, the proof is in the pudding now. It is a fantastic idea and the reason it's fantastic is that so many people are embracing the idea and mm. want to be part of it and want to support it and they've had really great sales levels so far yeah, you know great. well done congratulations yeah. and as you said you've thought about so many different things the different shapes of straws different colors so there's lots of preferences there so if you want to order it the website is the last hyphen straw.ie but you're on social media as well aren't you yeah we are we have our own instagram page where we post regular updates of what are of our straws and where they are uh, that has about 350 followers we also have our Facebook, um, which has over 900 likes and in the last month has reached over 10,000 people. And as a result of that, our straws have, uh, we've been able to sell our straws to Dubai, California, Australia, Canada and North yeah. Carolina. Okay. Do they like the Irish element of it, I wonder? Yeah, yeah. they must do, yeah. <laughs> um, and also, if you watch out on our social medias, we are running a competition soon enough um, in relation to St. Patrick's Day. We'll be having, um, we'll have, we have a special range of straws, our green straws, that you'll be able to use on St. Patrick's Day to spread the green Brilliant. for Ireland. You've thought of everything. Well done to you um, and well done to your mini company, The Last Straw.
If people want to check out your social media, as you said, you'll just search for The Last Straw 19 on Instagram. You'll find it there. And it's also the last hyphen straw.ie. Ellie Byrne, Dana O'Brien and Brian Larkin. Thanks, William, for coming in this morning. Thank you. Thank you. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. Well, a big day today for my next guest as she's doing the makeup at the Southeast Largest Wedding Expo. Yes, it's our Beat 102-103 wedding day. And uh, we are talking to Shauna Fitzpatrick. She is the woman behind Illuminate by Shauna based in Bagnallstown in County Carlow. And she's here with me with more details. You're very brave being here, what, <laughs> just over an hour until the doors open. Yes, yeah, so I said I'd come down and just give a little chat quick before we get started. This is quite a feat. How many faces do you think you'll be putting makeup on today? Yes, I think we have five models. Um, so it'll take a little bit of time, which I will get through it and they'll be lovely for the show. And all showing off uh, wedding dresses today. Yes, is that right? That's it, yeah. Okay. Does wedding makeup versus guest makeup, is there much of a difference in what you're doing to a bride compared to a guest or someone else who has a big event? I suppose everyone is totally different in their preference and what they want on their big day. Um, a lot of people kind of tend to want to go for that dewy glass look skin um, and then just kind of neutral tones. Just, but Does that work for everyone? I often think, you know, we, we see these models looking amazing, yeah. but does that suit everyone? That Not necessarily. Look? I suppose if, if you don't wear much makeup on a day to day, then maybe something simple is what you want and what you feel mm. comfortable in for your own day. But you see a kind of even a 1950s look coming back to a lot of brides with that bright red lip and winged liner. And that's something people really like to wear. It's quite dramatic. And I love that winged it, liner. It's beautiful. I yeah, cannot it's do really it. striking. Yeah, mm. it takes practice. Definitely it does. I think I need one of those little implements, you know, that you place on your yeah. eye and just just kind of and paint around fill it, it in exactly yeah. yeah so people are looking for that yeah it's definitely more popular in the last couple of years which is nice to see it's nice to see a bit of diversity because everyone's makeup is totally your taste is totally different so I suppose the worry though is with your wedding is that the photos are going to be up on your wall forever Yeah. so you don't want to be looking like oh the 80s were back during absolutely, the time absolutely yeah you don't want it to be a trend I think that's yeah. what's important you have to stay true to what you like to wear on a day to day basis mm. if you're used to wearing a bit of liner or if you're used to wearing a bright lip then definitely I wouldn't go too much out of your comfort zone like you said the photos mm-hmm. are going to be there forever so has to be something that you know suits you do you get a a lot of guests coming in as well for a wedding day so say you're doing a lot of brides are you doing a lot of guests yeah you get a lot of guests um even only booking a couple of weeks in advance like you know um they would often come in and their makeup then is totally tailored to them it doesn't have to be a specific Mm. look Mm. for the wedding but is it all about you know it's a long day a wedding day it is so when you have a bride in particular, like what time are you putting their makeup on in the morning? Is it the oh. last thing they do? No, brides, it actually be, could be quite quick. It depends on them whether they want, if they're getting a blow dryer or an upside as well, hair has to come into it too. So obviously if you're washing your hair and stuff that morning, you need to get that done before your makeup. But prepping the skin is the biggest thing for a bride because like you said, it has to be on all day. So mm. a lot of people think you have to go out and buy the most expensive foundation for your makeup mm-hmm. all day. A lot, that's not the case a lot of the time. Most, mostly you have to prep your skin properly. So and what do you mean by that? So it depends on your skin type. If you have oily skin, if you have dehydrated skin, if you have a combination of both, you have to use the right primer, the right moisturiser, because that's what your makeup sits on and mm. ultimately that's what keeps it for the day. Mm-hmm. Like as a bride, the only thing you should ever have to top up is your lipstick really. Really? Yeah. Yeah, because I suppose you're not seeing them for the rest of the day. Well, that's it. No, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the lipstick is the biggest thing you should only ever have to top up the okay. rest of the day. And are they coming to you cleansed and moisturised or are you doing that as well to ensure that they have I would have. I would advise them to kind of do it that morning themselves mm. when they get up. But if there is a little bit of excess oil or anything on the skin, we will remove that before we start as well. But. Okay, interesting. Okay, so five models today. Mm-hmm. Lots of different dresses. So yeah. are you doing a very... Um, are they all getting the same makeup or are you really looking at the dresses on the day today? No, I think, I think it's important to have a different makeups going up there as well just to show that you know a lot of people when they come in they, you ask them what are you wearing but a 
bride's dress is so white and plain as well that you can really do anything with your makeup. Mm. You can be, you can wear that bold lip colour or that wing liner or you can just go for like that natural look. So I want to show that, that you can do anything with it. It will have various looks on the different Lovely. Have you a favourite look at the moment, makeup wise? Oh, I, I don't know. It's so hard to pick. I do really like the 1950s look at the yeah. moment. I love the, the statement liner and the red lip. I think it's just something really different. Yeah. When people talk about makeup looks, though, I always think, do we not just do the same makeup? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't wake up in the morning and think I'm going to go 1970s today. No, yeah, no, definitely you know? not. Yeah, no, no. Um, I think um, I think people are definitely getting more adventurous with their makeup, though. Mm. Um, I suppose Instagram is such a platform for it now. You just, you can see anything in terms of colour and everything, but definitely. it would definitely be paired back a good bit now on yeah. a bride's day, you wouldn't yeah. Going with mad colors and of course it's events that people are coming to you for yeah exactly in Town. it's not mm-hmm. like they're doing their day to day working yeah. life and exactly getting them, so some people like to step out of comfort zone a bit yeah lovely well listen enjoy today how long will that take you are you just is there a team of you or just you just myself yeah wow. so um, we're going to be on a bit of a time schedule but we'll get them all in so we'll be maybe two or three hours doing the okay. five so. well as we said the doors open for the wedding day at 12 o'clock today we're going to be talking to Siobhan later on before she heads to Kilkenny she chatting to us about what to expect but you head off now to Kilkenny and get yourself set up Shauna thanks a million for coming in and if you want to check out what Shauna does she is based in in Bagnallstown in County Carlow and it's Illuminate by Shona if you search for that on Facebook you'll see some of your makeup looks there as well thanks a million thanks so much The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103 World Championship medalist 200 metre sprinter Curtis Mitchell is in studio this morning along with his physio David Roach from Roach Injury Clinic in Kilkenny and that's where Curtis is undertaking treatment and advanced rehab in prep for Tokyo 2020 they're both here this morning you're both very welcome Morning, Orla. Morning. You're welcome back, David. Thank you. <laughs> this is a big feat for you. Absolutely. Yeah. How did this happen? Uh, this, I suppose myself and Kurt have been in contact for a while and okay. we see similar traits, I suppose, in each other and he's a completely dedicated athlete. So when we were chatting about maybe bringing him across in the prep for, for the trials and the Olympics, we I jumped at the chance to have him over here. So, okay. yeah, it's been amazing. Yeah. Okay. Is this your first time in Ireland, Curtis? I've been here a few times, okay. but uh, in this area, yeah, this is my first time. And what is it about Ireland and prepping here that's different to the States? I just think the the slower pace, um, it, it just allows me to dial in and be focused. Um, and I'm a person that, you know, kind of stays into my routine. So it just works for me, less distractions. I love the people here. The people are super nice. And um, every time I come here, uh, especially now, I just make massive gains and just the mental clarity um, that I get from Ireland. It's just uh, second to none. That's why you know, I choose this as, as one of my bases. Okay. You're a world championship medalist and you are prepping for the Olympics. And it, will it be your first time at the Olympics? Yes. Okay. Yes. So what does that prep entail? What Like we're heading very close to June when the mm-hmm. trials are on. What are you focusing on these days? Well, for me, uh, it, it never really changes. Um, you know, obviously every year something like the Olympic Games is a massive event that most people that's not familiar with track and field, um, they kind of... Uh, recognize it, you know, as as being this this big sporting event. But I approach every season the same. I, I train really hard, and I just try to maximize my potential mm. and to get the most out of my training. Um, me being um, an athlete that truly wants to see how fast I can go and truly wants to be the best. I think you know every year I approach it the same, and it just so happens everything else is kind of amplified during mm. the Olympic year. So my preparation is just you know base training, fall training, a lot of conditioning work, trying to mm-hmm. get the body. Prime and strong and, and, and ready, free. injury free. That's the main thing. Um, just that's one of the reasons, main reasons why I'm here. 
uh, with the likes of David um, because he's going to oversee my health. Mm. Um, and, and is that, as you said, that's the biggest thing. Is that mm. a risk that, like, do you see people starting to drop out now from the trials because of injuries? Well, I mean, I, I don't really know um, other people are dropping out because mm. of injuries. Like right now, it's just too early to tell mm. because it's, it's different phases of the season. But um, you definitely want to stay healthy because once you start, you know, competing and turning things up, sprinting at a high level, those when those injuries can start coming in mm. if you didn't prepare yourself well enough in the off season. So mm. um, that's just pretty much what it is. It's a lot of attention to the small details. Mm -hmm. So we, we, you know, when it's time to really get to the specific stuff and, and we can train and, and do the things we need to do to, to get on that team. So I would walk a kilometre in maybe 10 minutes. So 200 metres is a fifth of that. So what, I would walk that in two minutes. How long does it take you to run 200 metres? Uh, my personal best is 19.97. 19.97 seconds. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that's what you're going to be doing for the Olympics. So uh, like blink, well, uh, well, you don't know the much number. Faster. But Okay. Yeah, much <laughs> Good, faster I like your that. attitude. Yeah, but sure. that is blink of an eye stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, I, I've, I've, that's... My PB, that's been my PB for a couple of years, so okay. I'm looking to go, you know, way faster than that, but it's still... And what's way faster, though? Are we talking, like, fractions of a second, or do you want to take a second or two off that? I don't, you know, I, I don't really want to put a specific number out, mm. but I definitely feel like, you know, I'm ready to go sub-19.6. I want to go, you know, in, in that realm, you know. I've been running 19.9 since I was 21 years old, wow. so mm. uh, wow. my body is definitely overdue for a big one. And what are the risks of someone running... 200 meters in just un in under 20 it's, seconds. Yeah, it's outrageous. It's, the gold standard really is sub 20. And this guy obviously wants to run even lower than that. Like, but there is, you know, there is a, there's a payoff between mm. those and a difference between those. If he wants to put his body to that, to that kind of speed, there is going to be issues that come arise from that. I suppose it is my job just to make sure that he's firing all cylinders because when he, when Curtis came over, he was obviously supremely conditioned. It's just all about figuring out the smaller things and how he is moving and how he moves, I suppose, under fatigue is probably the best thing because you know that Curtis is going to put that time in. Mm. It's just when he's on the home straight, that's when you, you beat world record pace or you, or you get your PBs. And that we're, we're trying to do is make sure that when he gets to that final straight that he's in really, really conditioned, he's upright, moving quite well. Mm -hmm. So that's my role entirely. Again, you know, Olympics obviously is the biggest goal here. The trials are a huge thing to come first, but this guy is on what we call an Olympic cycle. He doesn't train. He doesn't like, it's not like GA and all these really good sports where he just trains for six weeks and cracks on. Mm. He's been training for this since, for four years, since four okay. years, you know, okay. it's a cycle. And then what kind of a day are you putting in, the two of you? Is it like an eight hour day? Or? To, be, to be fair, I've, we've molded a camp um, in a sense that, you know, four weeks here, the reason we have time to come and see you today is because we're on the taper side of the camp now okay. where the, like literally, without giving too much, we obviously, um, the first couple of days we spent assessing Curtis and mm. finding some kind of treatments and stuff and then we trained twice a day for nearly two weeks almost and then we taper that down to treatment and one day session recovery. Curtis has been in Curtis is from Florida, right? And he's a very relaxed looking gentleman, but you should see when he's in the cryo bath. It's not too nice. Um, but he's oh, got that's, used that's to it. freezing cold thing. Yeah, we've, mm. we've invested in the new cryo pools, you see, the okay. one that goes to zero, four degrees. Yeah. Um, so you have to get into that. I think yeah, we're doing 30 yeah. seconds at the start, sorry, weren't we? And then he's three minutes at a time in it now. So. You're sitting in there for th three minutes. How, yeah. What temperature is that? <laughs> it would be just above zero. Wow. And you're okay with that? Yeah, it's, it's, it's no issue. When, when, when you're training hard, obviously, you know, training hard. It creates inflammation in the body. So mm. you get to a point where you, your body craves it. So it's not as bad. Obviously, if I just was 
you know, not doing anything and my body was just cold and you get in something like that, it'll be excruciating pain. But mm. once you're training hard, you're pushing yourself to the to the next level, to the limit, you get used to it. So it's not that bad. Okay. Yeah, it's been good. And he's been he's had a lot of people are have really taken to him, you know, things like clean cut meals have okay. him, have sponsored him mm. as an athlete for the month he's here. Mm-hmm. I know we quite like butcher and Kilkenny, don't we? We like the, the water oh, yeah. down there yeah. and stuff. Yeah, but it's been it's been a lot of fun. We've had we tried to have some downtime, but he's extremely as you can tell by him, he's extremely um committed into what he's doing. So He's been brilliant to work with like that. But you've been sending him all over the southeast to get photos for his Instagram, I see as well. I mean, obviously, <laughs> I mean, to be honest, not really. Uh, I, I brought my my camera guy over here just oh, so. Oh, did he, you? Yeah, he's okay. um, he he came over from from Florida. He's from my hometown, and, and just to be honest, we haven't really deviated outside our plan. It's just been training. We really wanted okay. to just and capture to that type of that. yeah, just get that quality of of training because obviously that's very important. You know, whatever we put out there, content wise. Um, and and it's just, interesting to see the sort of stuff that you're doing, and you've put all that up on Instagram, yeah. and both in Kilkenny and in Washford and in as well. Washford you've been training. Well, yeah, we okay. did a, an excellent yeah. workshop last week. It was really well received um, for a lot of it for WIT students mm. and stuff. And in April, I think we're planning on having Curtis come back just before June. We'll probably put on another camp then as well, workshop then as well. So we're looking Brilliant. forward to that. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, if you want to check Curtis out, he is Mister Two Hundred on Instagram. If you want to follow him there and see some of the stuff that he's been doing in the southeast with Roach Injury Clinic. And of course, as usual, I presume you're just doing all your other work as well at the same time, David. Yeah, we're trying to, you know, obviously um, I made a commitment here to this. So we're going to, you know, he mm. trains in the morning a lot and then in the afternoon I'll work and stuff. But yeah, I do make sure my, my, my clinic is, is uh, kept running open and staff. Obviously, my staff are amazing. Like, so they keep everything ticking over, keep me on my toes as well. But yeah, it's just another day. At the start, yeah, it's difficult, but we've become very used to each other now. We we, we work quite well, so okay. we're completely relaxed. Yeah, it's great. Good stuff. Well, best of luck in June. Thank you so How much. How long have you got left here in Ireland? I know you're coming back in April, but have you a few weeks left? Oh, no, nah, i got a few days. A few days. Uh, yeah, Do a few touristy things. Uh, have you seen I mean, Kilkenny Castle, I presume? Yeah, yeah, we, we, down yeah I've trained down there. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm pretty content and happy with what I'm doing. <laughs> you know, coming here was great. Um, then, you know, we got a few other things that we got to take care of. But Brilliant. for me, it's, it's been great. Good stuff. If you've seen yeah. his Instagram account, you realize he likes to train a lot. Okay, so, yeah. good stuff. Well, it's good to see you're doing something that you love. And best of luck with those trials in June. And David, thanks a million for coming thanks in. So that is David and Curtis Mitchell. Thank you so much. Thank thanks, you. Arla. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. Well, Series 2 of Goodbye House is coming to RTE and they are looking for you. The show is a little different this season and to tell us more, casting producer Anya O'Neill is on the phone. Hiya, Anya. Hiya, Orla. How are you? I'm great. Hey, listen, I really liked um, Goodbye House last year. The dynamic of grown-up kids looking for a house that they think their parents will like is very funny because some of them just did not get it. Not at all, Al. I feel that you're talking specifically about Bernie Walsh's episode where I think so. she'd given yeah, she'd given her wish list. She was very specific. She had her son, her daughter, and her best friend. Yeah. But of course then typical man, you know, wasn't listening, went off, got her something that she really said that she actually <laughs> didn't want. Never mind what not what she wanted. And literally even in the episode, like we were all cracking up because she came in and she was like, I ah, know this is a joke, isn't it? Like, where's my real house? Where are you really bringing me? It was, she was brilliant. They and were it, great. Was, it was the fact as well that some of them didn't even listen to the budget. So they were like, look at this fab house. It's 150 grand over your budget. <laughs> yeah, it was like dangling, like the car in front of them. But then saying, well, you know, you actually can't afford it. So let's look at something else. <laughs> so tell us, you're doing something a little bit differently this year for this season. Yeah, absolutely. So, or the last year, last season, we looked at um, just downsizers. So, people that had 
you know, maybe their kids have moved on or, you know, they just have this big house with empty mm. rooms that they, they don't even go into for weeks on end. So that was kind of our little tester, what we were doing, just kind of testing the waters for the series. But then when the show aired, we got so many people contacting us. Like, you know, first-time buyers, people that were just looking to, to sell their property or buy their property, and they just wanted to see could they kind of meet the criteria for the show. So when we were coming back with a second series, the decision was kind of made for us. It was like, no, we're casting the net wide. We're literally looking for first-time buyers. We're looking for people that are downsizing still. Okay. We're also looking for people that are upsizing. We're looking for people that are moving back home. So there's actually talk at the moment. Now, I don't know if you'd know this uh, with the current uh, chat in, in the election and all, but mm. there is some people actually moving back to Ireland to buy property that want to move home. Possibly maybe some of the people that emigrated yeah. years ago are kind of coming back now. So they're who we want to see. Yeah. Basically, anyone that's buying a property. Okay, and is it the same premise? You will then get their friends or family to go and find what they think will suit them. Absolutely. And listen, that's the whole, like, that's the whole journey of the show. Like, the end result, people are kind of like, oh, they don't even really care. They just love the dynamic of giving someone that you, that that is supposed to know you, but that you love and trust mm. to say, listen, this is what I like. This is what I think I would like. Go and find it for me. And then they're coming back with either stuff that you're like, do you know me at all? Or <laughs> what's going on here? <laughs> Brilliant. And listen, so who are you looking to contact you? Is it the person who wants to find the house or the people looking for the house? How does this work? Yeah, literally everyone. So while we actually tend to get a lot of estate agents actually contacting us, and I'm sure their ears are perking up when I say that because mm. they have obviously the people on their books that are looking to buy house there they've the people on the books that are also looking to sell so we get a lot of contacts from estate agents okay. saying do you know what i've a brilliant client there on the books that has a four bed or a two bed whatever so we get a lot of contacts from that but then we also now are getting a lot of younger people nominating their parents ah. and saying listen my mom and dad we're all out of the home there's a big house there we'd love to give them a bit of a push and before you know it then people that possibly weren't considering to be moving or buying are actually considering and now they're thinking, do you know what, actually, maybe this is something I could do, you know? Yeah, I don't need those four bedrooms. Okay, so tell me, how can people get in contact with you if they're interested? Yeah, brilliant. So look, we're on all the social channels, you know yourself, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at Goodbye House. You'll find us there. You'll also be able to email me, which is goodbyehouse delifymedia.com okay. and look if you type in Anya O'Neill um, at Goodbye House you'll find even more information to track me down I can, I can be found already you know Okay grand so if you just search for Anya O'Neill and Goodbye House you should find it there but as you said probably social media is the best place to go all those different platforms if you just search for Goodbye House Anya it was great to talk to you and best of luck on the hunt Thanks, Orla. Be in touch soon. Let you know how we get on. Brilliant. The Sunday Grill Movie Munchies with Odie and Waterford. Action or comedy? Sci-fi or rom-com? With a choice of eight screens, there's a film with your name on it. More at odiancinemas.ie. Well, what can I say about Parasite that hasn't already been said? The black comedy thriller has received critical acclaim and four massive Oscars, like really the big ones. That is Best Picture, Best Director, Best Original Screenplay and Best International Feature Film. But do these awards mean it's an entertaining and compelling watch? Well, Michelle went to see it. There's not much we can play really from Parasite since it's in Korean, Michelle. (laughs) But look, let's give it a go to give people the feel of how it sounds. (laughs) 
I'm deadly serious. So a little bit of English in yeah. there. And I think that's one of the themes in it, in the very upper middle it class couple. Is. They really want to be quite American yeah, in everything yeah, they yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, absolutely. And um, even listening to that clip, like I had this impression that this South Korean film was going to be something like a horror. So did I. You know? And the music I, and even there. Yeah, you know? Yeah. And, and Parasite. Parasite. Yeah, Parasite, yeah. you know? So even when I was trying to get someone to come with me, like, mm, I don't know. But it is nothing, nothing like what I expected. Yeah. There's a few eerie moments in it. Yeah, there's definitely, I've never seen a film to actually bring so many genres together. Yes. That's and a that's really something good I can't point. emphasize enough. Yes. Is that there's and, and there so is many something plot points. in it for everyone, yeah. you know, because there is comedy and there is a little bit of darkness and there's you know, there's the thrill and there's the like I took a friend with me and she said <laughs> coming out with a film cinema, she said, Stress. I'm so stressed. <laughs> <laughs> but equally for the first half we were laughing and giggling yes. with each other. Yeah. So, you know, I can't emphasize enough that it is something that changes genres mm-hmm. so fluidly. Mm-hmm. And so in a moment, you are taking from being entertained by laughing to being entertained by gasping. And, and so subtly, because you can see if you look back on it now and let's talk about the premise before. Yeah. Because I think when you look back on it, you realize where those changes were happening. Yes. So tell us, it's, it's two families. It's two families. There is an upper class wealthy family. Um, who very much have everything it seems handed to them mm-hmm. um, and go live a life based on recommendations and everyone's in their club. And then there is a lower class family who interestingly are live really low down in a basement and this upper class family live up on a beautiful estate on a hill and they carry out what could be called as a home invasion. So based on a lie, a false recommendation mm-hmm. that the son becomes an English tutor to the wealthy young girl in the family. Um, and they hatch out this plan where they more or less get the help fired in their mm-hmm. own way so they can sneak in and replace and them. And each one of them becomes yeah. the help. Yeah. Okay. Um, set in South Korea, as we know, um, as you said, the lower class family in a basement in in a very downtrodden They're so downtrodden that they have to stop people urinating on where they live. Yes. And then when we get to the house of the very upper class family, suddenly it's like a different land. Oh, it's suddenly you want to go to South Korea. Mm. You know, it's um, like going into, yeah, a a gentrified estate. Mm. Um, And I have to say the woman who plays the housewife is just hilarious in that. She's brilliant because Mm. she's she's wanting to be so proper um, and she's so innocent and naive, you know, she really isn't like knowledgeable of the world, mm-hmm. but she's trying to come across that she is. And mm. she's even by paying the daughter to like this ridiculous price for art therapy mm-hmm. for her six year old son who, you mm. know, squiggles with it's crayons. Just it's just mm. it's so funny. Yeah, um, it's. Do you think you would have like my friend went to see it with me and she'd already seen it, but she said, I want to go and see it again because I didn't get the hype first time around. Yes. And I'm just she wanted to see if she would enjoy it more. Yes. Is it a lot about hype for you? Um, I went into that film with very low expectations. I had no expectations. So I think if you're going to go in and expect to experience something like gut wrenching like you did with 1917 or, you know, inspiring like you did with. I don't know, Moonlight. Mm, like you're not going to you're not like going to experience mm. that. Okay. This is a different kind of film. This mm. is a film that is going to take you by surprise and take you down corridors that you never experienced before in mm-hmm. the cinema. So I think keep an open mind. Try not to read up too much about it. Try not to engage too much in the hype. Um 
And at face value, this is a good experience. Mm. You know, it's good action. It's good plot. It's good scripting. You don't even realise you're reading oh, totally. um, subtitles and anymore. And it's funny you say that one of my students said they were on the way to it and someone said it's subtitles. So they turned around and went home. That's so sad <laughs> because you absolutely completely forget that you're reading subtitles. And you know the poster that's going around for Parasite so that's in front of the, all the cinemas and everything. They're out mm. on the lawn and someone oh. is lying down. There's so many little elements to it. Once you've seen Paradise there, you need to watch the poster or Parasite even. Yeah. You need to watch the poster there again. There is so much symbolism in the film. Yes. You know, that mm. I only kind of been reading reviews about it after. So, oh yeah, you know, and it's yeah. like, oh my God, there's this total like commentary on economic mm. divide and you know the sense of home invasion mm. and yeah that they're and even like the way the family the poorer family are always shown moving downhill mm. and the wealthy family are moving uphill like it's it's actually genius mm. when you reflect on it but mm-hmm. even if you are not one of those movie nerds you that wants want to, to talk about themes and metaphors it's mm. just entertaining yes and I wonder if the Oscar committee thought about themes and metaphors because you know it is um you know, it, it it is the first foreign film to yeah, get the best yeah, movie from yeah, the Oscars. Yeah, yeah. Can you see why they got it? Yes, because I think when it comes to the Oscars, it's not about what's going to catch everyone's heart. It's about what's new and novel, um, and different. Mm. And that's it's hard. That's hard to create, especially in Hollywood, where there's the same repetitive format to a lot of yes, movies. True. And you had a director here who the only Hollywood director I could compare him to is Jordan Peele. Mm. I was only just Did thinking think that. that too? Yes. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. you're left kind of wondering about all those yeah. little and bits you're that like, they put in. What did I just? Yeah, see? yeah. I yeah. need to go Google that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's black pudding. Uh, Parasite. Oh God. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna have to give Parasite. Because it's so hard to go a 10. I'm going to have to give Parasite a nine and a half. Okay. And the only reason I'm docking marks is because, um, I don't know. <laughs> like, I can't. You just, can give it a 10 if I, you think it deserves you a know 10. what? Let's just give it a 10. Then. Yeah, let's give it a good 10. 10 out of 10 for Parasite. Tell me about the cinema. Where the, mo- the cinema, I went to see it in Dublin, was showing it on a loop. And yet there was only about 15, 16 people in the cinema while I was there. Really? Was it quite a full... No, um, but Odeon have brought it back since they did it for a screen on scene and then I don't think they were going to bring it in for a major release but once it won Best Film they've brought it back now and it's in the largest screen in Odeon Brilliant. screen too. that's the way you want to see yeah. it. Okay, well, the first foreign language film to win Best Picture in the Oscars. It is Parasite, 10 out of 10 from Michelle and as Michelle said, she saw it in the Odeon in Waterford. Thanks a million. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103.